Please join me as we begin chapel with the Apostles' Creed. Please stand if you are able. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall jump to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Let's go now before the Lord in prayer, offering to him our concerns and our worries and our cares and our hearts uh, humbly repentant before him, and also then asking him for the things that we need. Um, He is the one who gives us all that we need, and so it is best to come before him and ask him. So let's bow our hearts this morning before the Lord and remember that in conclusion, we will say the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Lord, we know that you can do all things and that no plan that you have made can be changed. Who can confuse you? Who can tell you things that you do not understand? When we think, Lord, of the majesty of what you know and what you execute in our lives, it is too much. We cannot understand it. Lord, listen to us as we come before you. Open our eyes and our ears to your word. And let us come before you in repentance and humility. Before your majesty and your knowledge and your power, we are helpless. We thank you for the promises of your word in which you say to us that should we follow you and should we do as you ask, you will bless us. You will bless us if we walk with you and not with those who blaspheme your name or with those who despise you or those who disregard what you have to say. And that you will bless us if we delight in your law and are happy and pleased to do what you ask. You tell us that if we would do these things, you will raise us up like trees next to a stream, 
You will give us what we need. You will help us to flourish and to grow and to be strong. And that if we follow you, Lord, you will treat us kindly and mercifully, blessing us in all that we do. For you promise that you will watch over the righteous. And we take assurance, Lord, in that righteousness because we know it is not by our own hand, but by the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has given his righteousness to us. So, Lord, this morning as we come before you, we pray for these things that we know trouble our country, our city, and even the campus here. But first and foremost, Lord, we ask that you would move in the hearts of your people. Make us more generous, more kind, more gentle and loving. Help us to be patient. Help us to be faithful, keeping the commitments that we have made. Lord, help us to do good through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to be those people that you call your own. For those of us who are suffering in our families, in our bodies, in our cities, Lord, have mercy. For those who have recently suffered the death of those that they love, Lord, have mercy. For those who are being punished wrongly or being treated unjustly by those who are in charge of the law of the land, Lord, have mercy. For those of us, Lord, who are confused and despair and are depressed and anxious, Lord, have mercy. And for those of us, Lord, who have been given an extra burden of responsibility, whose strength, Lord, fails and whose knowledge is limited, Lord, have mercy. We pray this morning, Lord, that you would come, be with us, that let us feel your presence among us and with us. And we pray especially, Lord, now for Pastor Baker as he brings your word. Let it minister to us in heart and mind. Let it give us strength and help us to persevere. And now, Lord, let us join together praying that prayer that your son has taught us to pray, saying, Our Lord, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overcome. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So Psalm 77 is a psalm of Asaph. And in the first half, we find a man who is, to use Randon's words, overwhelmed. He is broken. He is in deep depression, deeply afraid. But in the second half of the psalm, what we're going to read together, uh, we find that the Lord not only can deal with storms, but he uses storms very specifically to bring about the redemption of his people. So let's stand together and read from Psalm 77. Let's read together. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Amen. You may be seated. Brother, Brother Will Baker. Good morning, Geneva. It is good to be with you again. Pray you are blessed and uh, living life in the love and the grace of our Lord. Um, today, I want to speak to you from the subject, learning to survive the storms of life. And the way in which we do that is truly through faith in the reality that God is all powerful. God is all powerful. Uh, that's what the text teaches us about God, and I think what it teaches us about how we understand God in the midst of the trials of life is that when we put our faith in him, uh, we can survive the storms of life. Amen? Amen. It comes from Matthew chapter 14, <clears throat> verses 22 through verses 33. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. 
And at 22, you find these words. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, it is, it is I. do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong winds, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God, the Word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We pray with me? Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, and I pray that you would give this student body, this faculty, staff, and leadership ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Learning to survive the storms of life. Uh, hurricane Laura was one of the first hurricanes to hit in this hurricane season, this storm season in the Gulf Coast. This storm possessed winds of up to 150 miles per hour, it was one of the strongest storms to hit the Gulf Coast in decades and was reported before it hit ground to be unsurvivable. We now pray for those in the Gulf Coast who have been hit by multiple storms and for God's protection and provision. But the reality of this time in our world is this, friends. We now locally, nationally, globally, find ourselves in a social, cultural, governmental, and global health hurricane of sorts that some report to be unsurvivable. Both Republicans and Democrats report that if the other side wins, America as we know it will be lost. And some report because of the governmental winds and waves blowing in our country America as we know it is unsurvivable. COVID-19 has claimed far more than 800,000 lives globally and, school, and as schools reopen and anxieties rise, some report that the world as we know it because of the global pandemic is unsurvivable. Uh, Jacob Blake, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Antoine Rose are just some of the latest names of black victims whose lives have been lost at the hands of lawless white law enforcement. And some report 
that the racial animosity that is brewing in our country may be unsurvivable. Pittsburgh is reported to be one of the worst cities in the country for black people to live in. So much so that our quality and longevity of life increases by just leaving. When we look at infant mortality rates, failing school districts, mass incarceration, child abuse, black-on-black crime, and some report that black life in Pittsburgh and our region is unsurvivable. And the reality of today is this, that many of us in the room and on the campus today are being battered by a cyclone of our own personal life's hurricane. Our marriage may feel unsurvivable. This semester may feel unsurvivable. The financial crisis that the pandemic has placed on our families can feel unsurvivable. The depression and loneliness of this pandemic at times for many of us has felt unsurvivable. The loss of loved ones in this environment has felt unsurvivable. Your health condition not connected to the pandemic might be being reported as unsurvivable. The condition of your church might feel unsurvivable. Such is the threat of every hurricane, every storm in life, Geneva. The horror that life's difficulties threaten us with is this. We might not survive this storm this time. So the relevant question today is this, how will we survive the threat of the global and national and local and personal storms we find ourselves in? The message of today's text to you, the beloved of God here on Geneva College's campus, is that there is no storm greater than the power of God in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If you will put your faith in him in the midst of this global, national, and local, and even personal storm that is in your life, Jesus can save you from any storm. Today's text teaches us 21st century disciples of Jesus Christ that we can survive any storm in life when we put our faith in Jesus' power to allow us to transcend our storms, to save us when we are drowning in our storms because Jesus is the master of our storms. Some believe that the power of winds and waves in our world is greater than the power of Jesus, but disciples, we believe that Jesus' power is greater than the winds and the waves, and this is why the saints of old used to sing, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. What does Matthew 14, 22 through 33 teach us about learning to survive the storms of life? The number, the first thing that it teaches us is this, that God will send you into a storm to develop you as his disciple. God will send you into a storm to develop you as his disciple. That's verses 22 through 24. Jesus has performed a miracle just before he's walking on the waters. He fed over 5,000 men and women, yet this miracle reveals a lack of faith and compassion in his disciples for the people that Jesus will eventually commission them to minister to in his name. While Jesus goes up on a mountain to spend time with his father, he sends his disciples out onto the sea in the midst of a storm that is threatening to sink their ship. Because sometimes in order for God to develop in you, 
the faith and character you need to get to the maturity level he desires to see in you as his disciple, he has to place you in a storm that will teach you the faith, humility, and appreciation and compassion and the power of God that is available to you as a follower of the Son of God. This is what many of uh, God's followers in Scripture have had to learn. Abraham had to leave home to grow in his calling from God, and that was a storm to him. See, God places us in storms in order to develop our character as his disciple. Moses had to go back home to grow in his calling from God, and that was a storm for him. Joshua had to battle for a land filled with God's enemies, and that was a storm for him. David had to deal with a demented king before he could become king, and that was a storm for him. And there are times, Geneva, that God is going to send you and I into storm-like situations in our lives in order to reach his desired destination for our faith, our character, and our purpose as his followers. For some of you, there was a storm on your job that God has sent you into. Some of you, there's a storm in this semester that God has sent you into. Some of you, there's a storm in your family that God has allowed to happen. Some of you, there's a storm in the church you go to that God has sent you into. For some of you, there's a storm in our culture that God has sent you into. But the truth of today's text is this. God will send you into a storm in order to develop your faith in Jesus and to do the work he desires you to do in order to bless those in need of his salvation. The second truth I see in the text is this, is that God will send you into the, to a storm to deal, with your, the, to deal with fear in your life. Verses 24 through 27. The disciples are fearful because the storm is threatening to sink their ship. Then they see a mysterious figure hidden by the mist and the fog of the storm moving toward them on the waters. They break into screaming and yelling because they think it is a ghost. In this text, friends, God dispels all myths that real men don't get scared. These brothers who at one point are called the sons of thunder and who want to go to war to protect Jesus' life are in a frenzy once they enter an experience that they can't handle with their hands. Jesus is walking on the water to a boat filled with cowardly men and tells them to take courage, get control of yourselves. Don't be afraid. It is me. The, men above all men, the man above all men, Jesus, is not arbitrarily telling them to trust in him without any record of his power over the circumstances they are in. Rather, friends, he is calling them to remember that in chapter 8 of Matthew, they were in a storm with Jesus before. Have you ever been in a storm with the Lord before? The water was coming into the boat in chapter 8, and Jesus was in the lower chamber of the boat sound asleep. The disciples woke Jesus and said, Master, help us. And Jesus spoke to the winds and the waves and the storm ceased. And he is calling his disciples to adjust their response to the storm they are in now based upon the one who was they are entering, who is entering the storm with them and the one who has already demonstrated that he is master over the storm. Jesus calls the disciples to stop being afraid and to be brave because they can do, they can't do, sorry, they can do 
in and of themselves. They can't do it in and of themselves, but because they are not alone in the storm, they are in the storm with Jesus, they can do all things through the one who will strengthen them. I was in the pool this summer with my son, who's named after me, my son William, my youngest son. And because we were in the deep, he, he started to freak out. Daddy, I can't swim here. I can't swim. And he began to hit me in my head and, and grab my neck. And I told him, Will, calm down because daddy will not let you go in this water. Calm down because I've got you. This is what God is saying to someone under the sound of my voice today. You are in a storm, but this storm has, the, has a purpose in your life. Stop freaking out because your life has come into the storm. God sent you into the storm, and God is with you in the storm if you are a child of God. He will not put more on you than you can bear. Therefore, he has let you know enough already about the storms of life to help you deal with the present storm you are in. Because this is not the first storm you've been in with God, is it? And if he calmed the storm before, he can do it again, students. If you passed last year, you can do it. He can do it again. Get yourself together. God's healed you before. Get yourself together. God's provided for you before. Get yourself together. God's vindicated you before. Get yourself together. God's opened doors before. Get yourself together. God's defeated your enemies before, and if he did it before, he will do it again. The same God he was back then, he will be today, so don't be afraid. Thirdly, the text teaches us this for surviving the storms of life, lessons for surviving the storms of life. God will send you into a storm to teach you to participate in the power of God. He will teach you in the storm that you are to be a participant in the power of God, verses 28 through 29. In the experience of feeding over 5,000 just before this experience of Jesus walking on the water, Jesus' disciples asked Jesus to send the crowds away because the hour is getting late and the people need to eat. And the disciples did not believe they had the resources available for, to them to feed the multitudes of people. Jesus' response to the disciples was, you feed them. Stick with me. When the disciples said, when Jesus said that, the disciples said that we don't have any food, Jesus. When they say that to the Lord, Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves by his divine power and fed the people, showing us, I think, that if the disciples had understood and believed that the power of God, which was active in Jesus, was also accessible to them because of their relationship with Jesus, they could have multiplied the fish and loaves and fed the people themselves. Now Jesus, in our text today, is walking on the water. The disciples are afraid. He tells them to take courage because the master of the storm is with them in the storm. Therefore, they should have courage that there is nothing that the storm can do to them that the master is unable to deal with. Peter hears the Lord's command and he remembers Jesus' power over the storm in the past. And simultaneously, as Peter sees Jesus walking on the water, he remembers the challenge of the master to the disciples to multiply the fish. What does Peter do? Peter puts the two together and realizes that Jesus, if Jesus is the master of the sea, 
and he has challenged me to participate in the power of God available to him because of my relationship and faith in him, then it is, then if it is the Lord who is giving me his command, then I can walk on the waves with my master. So Peter, coming to understanding of the nature of being a disciple of the Son of God, said, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter won't go if it's not Jesus. Because the only one who can give him the power to do the impossible is Jesus. But because Peter knows the voice of his master, when the master of the sea calls Peter to come, Peter got down out of the boat onto the water and began to walk with Jesus where no other human has walked. Here is the word of the Lord for you, Geneva. As a disciple of the Son of God, of the Most High God, you have been invited by your creator, uh, creator based upon your faith in his Son to participate in divine power to do the impossible with your life. You cannot do the impossible on your own. God knows where you come from, come from. He knows how small your tribe is. He knows what your insecurities are. But with God, all things are possible. You cannot deal with the storms of the life on your own. You cannot deal with the storms of life with someone else or some other God. Or if something else is calling you to walk on the water of your storms. But if Jesus of Nazareth, of Nazareth, the sinless, crucified, risen, and reigning Lord is calling you to do the impossible, to deal with the difficulties of life's storms, you can walk on water when your faith is in his power. For with God, all things are possible. Who says you can't deal with racism? With God, all things are possible. Who says you can't heal our communities? With God, all things are possible. Who said we won't come out of COVID-19 with God, all things are possible. Who said we won't go to co finish college? With God, all things are possible. Who said you can't win the loss? With God, all things are possible. Who said you can't hold down a job? With God, all things are possible. Who said you can't walk free from addiction? With God, all things are possible. Who said you can't walk holy in your youth? With God, all things are possible. If you are his disciple, you have been invited to be a, a participant in his power. Fourth, God will send you into a storm to teach you to keep your faith focused on the word of Jesus and not distracted by the chaos of life's storm. That's verse 30. Peter walks on water at the command of Jesus and does in God's power what he could never do in his own strength. But for a split second, he takes his focus off the presence and the command of Jesus and is disturbed by the winds effect on the waves, which causes him to believe he is no longer safe following the person of Jesus and the word of Jesus. So Peter starts to sink. Have you ever been there before? Anybody there right now? Do you remember the prophet Elijah? At one moment, he was able to call fire down from heaven on false prophets. The next moment, he was running from the threat of a girl because he got distracted by the word of Jezebel. And, if it would not, and it would not be until he heard the voice of God again that his strength and courage would revive. In just one moment, friends, prophets and apostles began to doubt when they took their focus off the presence and the word of God. 
and got disturbed by the chaos of their life's storms. And if we don't stay focused on the presence and the word of the most high God in Jesus Christ, it just takes one second for your life to get off course, your purpose to be derailed. Have you ever been there, friend? One moment God calls you to walk on the storm of your life and there is no fear in you as you go out in courage to face which, that which threatens you. Then the next day, when you pay attention to the chaos that surrounds you, you begin to wonder, how am I ever going to make it out of this one? This is because like Peter, the chaos of the storm broke your faith and your focus on the presence of the word of God. Friends, that is why you must be immersed in the word of God each and every day. That is why when God calls us to do something and we know it's him, we must stay focused on the command of God. That is why when God promises you that he will be with you, you must hold tight to the commitment of your creator because doubt will drown you. Doubt will distract you. Doubt will cause you to put more faith in chaos than you have in Christ. And that is what the report is in the storms we face today, Geneva. The report would have you feel that Jesus Christ is not greater than the political chaos we are facing. The report would have you believe that Jesus Christ cannot deal with the global pandemic. The report would have you believe that Jesus Christ cannot empower us to deal with police brutality of black men and women. The report would have you believe that you are helpless today when you're walking, when you were walking on the water yesterday. But the saints of old would sing, whose report shall you believe? And they would answer, we shall believe the report of the Lord. When chaos is all around you, don't focus on the chaos. Focus on the command of God. Focus on the word of God. Focus on the promise of God. Focus on the presence of Jesus. For if God be with you, it's more than the world against you. One last point. God will send you into a storm to teach you that there is no storm that he is not willing and able to save you from. Peter focused on the chaos and he began to drown. But before he went under, he cried out, Lord, save me. Then the text says, Jesus grabbed him out of the water and with compassion, he said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus gave Peter power to walk on the storm, but when Peter's faith faltered, Jesus was still willing to save Peter from the storm. Often when legalism sets hold in the church and in the mind of the believer, we think that unless we are water walking, we are not disciples of Jesus. We are not acceptable for service to the master. But the history of God's salvation teaches us that God is patient with his beloved and that he uses even our failures to teach us and to develop us into the children that he wants us to become. Paul says that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Friend, there is no failure that God will not lift you from if you call on the name of Jesus. There is no storm that you find yourself in that Jesus will not rescue you out of if you will call on the name of Jesus. Sexual storms, financial storms, relational storms. God's word of grace to you today is that there is resurrection from the storm. 
We serve a loving, gracious, and patient God who when we have faith enough to cry out to him, Geneva, when we are sinking in sin and doubt, he will rush to rescue you. I love the word of Jesus here. Oh, you of little faith, not scolding Peter for his failure, but just being honest with him about his impediment. Why did you doubt? If you would not have doubted, you would have conquered the storm. But still, I am with you to save you when you are sinking, when you recognize that I am your salvation in the storms of life. Who is sinking today? Cry out to Jesus for salvation and rescue. Someone has lived their life trying to secure themselves amid the storms of life and in the internal storm of sin. But Jesus is waiting to save you if you will look to him for salvation. Did I say I had one more point? Can I have one more? Add it to that one more? Okay. Point six. I didn't learn that at seminary. I just came up with that on my own. Six-point sermons. Point six, and that's the last one. God will send you into a storm to teach you to worship Jesus as God. He will save you from the storm, no matter what the storm. But that is because he's teaching you the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Verses 32 and 33. Jesus rescues Peter. As the Lord and Peter enter the boat, the storm immediately stops. After Jesus calmed the storm with his words in chapter 8, Jesus' disciples asked this relevant question, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? God is all-powerful. Maybe he is a prophet. Moses and Elijah did miracles with water, but none of them walked on water and none of them made footsteps on the water or commanded the raging storm. But the psalm we read today teaches us that God walks on waters. Psalmist reserves this action not for Moses and Elijah, but only for the Most High God. And Matthew attributes this action to Jesus in this text. Psalm 77, 16 through 20. The water saw you, O God. The water saw you in right. <clears throat> the very depths are convulsed. The cloud poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrow flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the world. When your lightning lit up the world, the earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the seas, your way through the mighty waters. Through your, though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Brothers and sisters, what manner of man is this, they asked as Jesus commanded the seas the first time. But this time, the storms bow down to his agenda to teach his disciples that the man before you is not merely a prophet, not simply the son of David, but this one is the son of God and God himself. At the revelation of the divinity of the teacher, they worship by proclaiming that what the Christ demonstrated in his acts, well, they, they Worship by proclaiming what the Christ demonstrated in his actions. Truly, this man is the son of God. Friends, has the storm taught you that Jesus is God? Then you must learn to worship after the storm and while you are in the storm, the God who has power over the storm. Worship when he delivers you from the storm. <clears throat> worship when he empowers you to transcend the storm. Worship 
when he opens doors of opportunity and influence that only God could have opened even while you're in the midst of the storm. Worship him when he prepares the table before you, even in the presence of your enemies. Worship Jesus as God. Truly, this man is the son of God. These words of worship would find their way to the lips of the Roman who crucified him when he died. This man, Jesus, was not like any man. He was God and man, both 100% God, 100% man, greater than Moses, greater than Elijah. These two will sit at his feet at, on the Mount of Transfiguration as, as God the Father Almighty proclaims from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus would later ask Peter who who he saved from drowning in the storm. Who do men say that I am? And Peter will reply, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Human intellect did not reveal this to Peter, but only the father in heaven can reveal to men and women the true identity of the master. His sinless life revealed his divinity. His merciful death revealed his divinity. His victorious resurrection from the dead revealed his divinity. Geneva, who do you say that he is? He has revealed, he has delivered you from this. If he has delivered you from the storm of sin, if he has delivered you from the storms of life, if he has delivered you from the storm of rebellion, which deserved his wrath, has he delivered you from the storm of Satan? Has he delivered you from the storm of this world system? Has he delivered you from the storm of life and eternity without God? If that is your testimony, then he deserves your worship. Worship in your thought, worship in your talk, in your walk, worship in your song, worship in your witness, worship in the world as you proclaim, even amidst your storm, through faith, truly he is the son of God. These are the lessons today's text teaches about surviving the storms of life. Jesus is God, therefore Jesus is the master of every storm. And he will, in power and grace, deliver his disciples from the power of the storms of life and in death. God bless you in the storm, Geneva. God bless you to survive the storm. For God in Jesus is all-powerful. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. And we need your word, Lord, as our life and our world is in the midst of many storms. We ask that you would still this word in us by your spirit's power manifested through faith that we would not think like the world. We would not find comfort and salvation in any other name, any other source, any other group other than only that we would find our salvation in the son of God, Jesus Christ, and we would live for him and do the impossible with him. This we pray in his name. Amen. God bless you. Praise the